We've been talking about prayer, haven't we? We've been talking on prayer and trying to have a meaningful prayer life. And today we have a, a new section. I just want to remind you that what we've been, well, what, we're, what, we, what we've come from, I should say, is that there's these essentials that make uh, Jesus gave us that make up a meaningful prayer life. And, and he said the first thing you want to do if you have a, want to have a meaningful prayer life is that you have to learn to focus on God's person first. So oftentimes we come into prayer and we are just consumed with our own needs, aren't we? Now there's a time for that where there's an emergency and there's time to, to, to do that. But Jesus said your prayer will be much more effective if you have learned, you'll learn how to pray if you'll practice in the non-emergency times <laughs> uh, to first of all focus on God's person. You know, we address him as father as Abba Father, even more specifically, and how that our first part of learning how to pray is learning to worship God as Father and learning who He is and just spending some time uh, focused on God's person. Then the second essential we talked about is focusing on God's program. So before you bring, so you know, before you bring uh, your needs before Him, Jesus said it's best to first address God as you know Father and address Him as a person, and then also focus on His kingdom, on the advancement of His kingdom. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we focus, we focus on His kingdom, on on the on the power. God moving in not well nations and moving in cities, moving in our families, moving in our marriages that, that the rulership or the rule of God will consume us will will um, will have full authority over us so that that even in all of our little kingdoms, our individual kingdoms, Jesus will be Lord and that he'll be seen. His power and his testimony will be seen in our life. The third thing we talked about last week was our provisions. Jesus said, then pray for your provision, that you are, our, our needs, you know, give us this day our daily bread, which means as a unique word there in, in, the, in the Greek, which means give us the things we need today. And it is to remind us that God is our provider today. Sometimes because we have refrigerators and freezers and, and we have bank accounts and we, we store these, we store up enough food, we store up enough money and things, we tend to think that these things just come because we've worked hard. And Jesus reminds us that by praying daily that we, Lord, provide us today with what we need, it reminds us that God is our provider. And even though we have a lot in the freezer and we have a lot in the fridge, maybe, maybe they're leftovers, it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, um, we have some of that and we have a lot in the bank account. God is the provider of all those things. That he supplied them. And so therefore, we need to be willing to share them. We talked about that, didn't we? Last week. Now today... We move on to this next section of prayer, the fourth essential to meaningful prayer life. If you want to have a meaningful uh, a prayer life that really matters to you, that is special to you, Jesus said, we need to pray for our pardon. Our pardon. Let's look here at what he says here. He says, one day Jesus was praying in Luke chapter 11, verses 1, 1 to 4. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples, again, probably Andrew, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And he said to them, so when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we, you know, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Father, as we look today to this, uh, 
very, very important fourth essential of a meaningful prayer life. To have you interacting with us, to have the, uh, the door open of your grace to, and your power to touch our lives and for us to have that really cool, neat, connection with you where we know you're real and you're and you're interacting with us we see that Jesus said it's so essential that that we be forgiven of our sins and our offenses against you and Lord the only way that can happen is if our hearts are also forgiving other people who have offended us Lord this is a tough thing for for us at times because sometimes people hurt us deeply Sometimes uh, family members can be bickering with one another and sometimes uh, there's just so many conflicts within relationships that, and there can be terrible things that people do to one another that can cause grudges and, and hate and, uh, and uh, uh, re- revenge and bitterness in our hearts. Help us today, Holy Spirit, to see what uh, you have to say to us, what God has to say to us about receiving your grace to be able to deal with those things that we might receive your grace as well in uh, forgiving our own sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible is a great treasure book, isn't it? A great great, uh, treasure book of if you will, otherworldly knowledge. We talk about, you know, and I mean that, I'm talking about heaven. Have you ever paused to consider, I'm sure you have, uh, if you thought anything about, about uh, the Lord. Have you ever paused to consider how little we know about our Creator, uh, our Savior, how little we would know about our sanctifier if it were not for the Scriptures, the things that were written in the Bible about God and about the salvation that uh, he gives us. Have you ever thought about that? How little we know about the nature of our salvation. And you know what else? This, even our citizenship in heaven, how little we know about that. The Bible tells us that God reveals himself to us through nature, through his creation. But that's called general revelation, that we realize that there's a creator, and we realize too that, that uh, he's got power. But the specifics of him as Savior, the specifics of him as Sanctifier, and as one who provides eternal life for us, you can only find that in the Bible. And you find that in the Scriptures. So it's just really, you know, from, from the beginning, it reveals to us, the Bible, that we must walk by, with God by what? By faith. Faith. Abel, Noah, hey, Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel... All the other Old Testament worthies that we find in the Old Testament, all those wonderful people, they lived by faith in God. A God that they could not see. And yet he was real and he made himself known to them. He made himself real to them. And then Jesus, of course, the Bible tells us that the Son of God, he came to make our invisible God more understandable to us. And Jesus taught about the importance of having a personal faith Over and over again, he talked about that in his ministry, his three and a half years. How important it is that you have faith, faith in God. He talked about it over and over. When folks would ask Jesus to heal them or to deliver them from some sort of uh, satanic, demonic attack, he would often say, be it according to your faith. Didn't he? Remember that time 
when he came down off of the Mount of Transfiguration with, uh, with Peter, James, and John, and he met his other uh, nine disciples, they were, they were down there, you know, at the, at the, at the foot of the mountain, and they were dealing with a, with a demonic boy that they couldn't, they couldn't help. And uh, uh, you remember how that... Um, uh, the father came up to Jesus and they said, oh, Jesus, you know, you know um, set my son free from this demon power. Lord, please help if you can. Remember that? Please help if you can. And Jesus said, if I can? <laughs> I said, all things are possible to those who believe in God. <laughs> and the father, remember what he did? He said, oh, Lord, I do believe. I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Yeah, Jesus said, hey, you're, you're, not, uh, you're, not, you're not cultivating your faith there. And I said, well, he's in the Father said, help my unbelief. Because faith, loved ones, is a huge possession to the Christian right now. Faith is, uh, matter of fact, Peter says, the Apostle Peter says, that faith is your most precious possession right now. For those who love the Lord, it's your most precious possession. It's more precious than costly uh, gold, he says. Matter of fact, it says in 1 Peter, let's just, re just read that. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his sal this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Yeah, and though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Yeah, and he goes on to say, so, so, um, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So the scriptures reveal that there are many things concerning um, our living for God that will be different in the world to come. The, way we're, the things that are important to us now, the things that we must really focus on, it's going to be different when we get to heaven, the scriptures tell us. For instance, one of the big changes among us is right now we walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible tells us. Uh, another change that's going to come is right now we practice communion. We practice the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, and uh, right now we pray. But when we see him face to face, we will no longer live by faith then, but we will see him face to face. And uh, when we see him face to face, we'll no longer practice communion. That will be a, a practice that we're done with. And, uh, and when we see him, we will no longer pray. That's what's going to change when we get to heaven. Right now we see through a glass darkly, the Bible says. And at present we don't understand, we don't fully understand what we're going to be like in heaven. But when we see Jesus, John says, we're going to be like him in our glorious eternal bodies. No more weaknesses, no more arthritis, no more heart disease, no more migraines, no more heartache. But at present, at present here, our faith reaches out to a real but invisible God and in heaven we will see him face to face and faith will no longer be necessary. And something else in heaven, like I said, we'll no longer pray because faith and prayer go hand in hand. Loved ones. Now listen to me. It goes hand in hand. Prayer is, is a temporary form of worship here on this earth as we walk by faith. In that great day, when we see him face to face, we will no longer pray, for we will see him as he is. 
Right now, faith and prayer, right now in, in this world, uh, faith and prayer are absolutely essential to enable us to connect and to fellowship with our Lord and to stay connected and fellowshipping with our Lord. The scriptures tell us that when Jesus appears in the clouds, that those who have no faith that those, and consequently if they have no faith, then they most likely are not praying because faith and prayer go hand in hand. Um, they're not praying. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 6, 16, it says this, doesn't it? It's really cool. He says, and when Jesus appears, that uh, the people who see him coming, who don't belong to him, they cry out for the mountains and the rocks. They say, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So right now, for those of us, or those, I should say, who have no faith and who don't pray, they don't want to see God. I say, Lord, on that great day when Jesus comes back, they're going to say, hide us. We, we don't want to see him. We don't want to look at him. May the rocks fall on us, you know. But for those of, those of us who, who love the Lord, you know, those of us who are fully, well, well, that day will be fully redeemed. We, we groan right now. We, we, want to, we want to see him. And that great day, we'll, we'll just keep on pressing on, taking great efforts to, to take care. Now listen to me, to take care of this precious possession we call faith. God has given you faith. If you love the Lord Jesus today, if you've been saved from your sins, if you know his forgiveness, you have faith. There's only one way you could get all of those things, and that is through faith, through believing what the Bible says, through believing Jesus is a son of God, believing he's, he's your savior, believing that, that he requires you to surrender to him and that he must come become your Lord and master. That is faith, that you believe what he says. And that's why Jesus is a reality to you. And now, when we get to this, this next essential of prayer, we see that it deals with the spiritual condition of our faith. Jesus has taught us to practice prayer again by first uh, worshiping God as a person, then we give attention to God's program, the advancement of his kingdom, then we, then we are ready to request help for our provisions, for what we need, our daily needs, and then Jesus says, now we need to trust God for our pardon are really our daily pardon, our spiritual needs. I looked this verse up here in the various translations. Let me just read it to you. And forgive us our sins, it says in the, in the New Living Translation. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. NIV, like we already read, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. The New American Standard says this, and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And the King James says it this way, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. You know, when we quote this verse, when we, we say the Lord's Prayer together as the body of Christ, we always have to be instructed first about how we're going to say it, don't we? And uh, have you ever heard him say, he's like, yeah, now we're going to use trespasses this time, or we're going to use debts this time, you know. And forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive those who are indebted to us or who, or who have sinned against us. The point Jesus is making for you and I to acknowledge is that God, in all of his holiness, forgives my offenses and sins against him. And so then, how very much more should I forgive those who offend and hurt me? That's what Jesus is saying here. 
that God in all of his holiness, in his greatness, in his magnificence, he is willing to forgive me. So therefore, just as he has forgiven me, I must be willing to forgive everyone else who has hurt me or offended me. Jesus said they go hand in hand. Forgiveness is a huge condition, loved ones, to the validity of your faith. If you're not forgiving people, if you hold grudges against people, let me tell you, that most precious faith that you're holding on, that is your possession, that is, it is supposed to be more precious than gold, you know, than anything, any physical treasure on this earth, because we know your faith is eternal. My goodness. He's, Jesus said, if, if you are holding unforgiveness in your heart against people, it damages your faith. It, it invalidates your faith in God. Because this issue of forgiveness is a vertical issue as well as a horizontal issue. Are you listening? Jesus said it's vertical as well as horizontal here. He taught us very clearly that if we won't show love by forgiving those who have sinned against us, you know, this way, then your faith is inhibited this way, is what he's saying. It's shorted out. It's canceled. It's made null and void. You know, do you get the point? Your faith is defective and it cannot reach God if you are not forgiving people this way. You are not able to believe in God. If you can't forgive people you can see, you know, then how can you relate to a God that you can't see, Jesus is saying. So Jesus showed us that if you hold grudges and you cannot be at peace with those who are indebted to you horizontally, those who need your forgiveness, then your faith is a closed door to receiving the cancellation of your enormous indebtedness to God. Jesus, he really emphasized this, didn't he? And he, if you read through the New Testament, you'll see he speaks about it often during the days of his ministry. Recall in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, when Peter asked Jesus, and you, you remember this well, um, how many times, Jesus, uh, P- Peter said, how many times are we obligated to forgive someone, Lord? He said, and Peter, remember what he said? He said, how? He said, what? Seven times? Yeah, he said, should I forgive someone seven times? And he was really shocked, I think, when Jesus replied. He said, oh, no, uh, not, not seven times, Jesus said. Seventy times seven. In other words, Jesus was saying, forgiveness is limitless, Peter. No matter how many times someone has hurt you, if you God's forgiveness is limitless, and so God expects your forgiveness to be limitless as well. And then Jesus told this interesting parable about a servant who owed the king millions of dollars and out of pity for the man the king forgave this huge debt that the man could never pay Um, the the man came in and asked forgiveness and pleaded for mercy and the king had mercy on him and said I forgive this this debt that is uh, that you owe me it's millions of dollars but I forgive it the man was so happy because he wasn't thrown into prison he wasn't thrown in the, into, into, into debtor's prison. But Jesus says the man went out. You remember the story? He went out and he met a fellow servant who had a debt against, you know, for, for, uh, that, had a, that had, had a debt that owed him money and it was actually only totaled to about a few thousand dollars. Very small in comparison to what the king had forgiven the, uh, the servant for. And what did the servant do? Instead of forgiving him, he, he said what? He said, hey, you, I want it now. You pay it now or I'm going to throw you into prison. And the man pleaded for mercy. He pleaded, please get, give me time. But the, man, but the ungrateful servant said no and threw him into prison. Jesus said the king, remember he heard 
what had happened. And so he called the ungrateful servant back in and said, I heard what you did. I heard that you wouldn't forgive this, this, this fellow servant just a few thousand dollars. So now you owe everything back to me right now. You owe it all back. And until you pay it, you're going to be thrown into prison. Of course, that means you'll never pay it. You'll be in prison all your days. Now, this is the tough thing. Jesus ends the parable by saying this. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Hmm. The ones, all of us have been hurt and offended by other people. And we have offended and hurt other people as well. Can I ask you with a raise of hands, how many of you have been hurt and offended by somebody in your life? I'm raising mine up. And some of you are way holier than I thought. <laughs> Let me ask you this. This is even tougher. How many, how many of you have had to ask forgiveness because you've offended somebody? Yeah. We've all there. We're all there. All of us have hurt somebody, have offended somebody. All of us have been offended, have been hurt. I tell you, I know friends from my childhood that is so heartbreaking. When I go back and check on them, I say, how is so-and-so? Well, they haven't talked to me for years. They got mad at me years ago and they refused to talk to me anymore. I thought, but your family, your brother and sister, I can't believe it. That, but some people, they just hold those, those grudges so deeply in their hearts and that reflects them on their faith that I'd have to say that I fear for their soul, that they cannot receive the forgiveness of God if they don't forgive even someone in their own family. The ones, the Bible, again, often, often ties forgiveness from God to our willingness to forgive others. They, they go hand in hand. And if you won't forgive others, then we, we just can't be forgiven by God. That just doesn't seem to sink into a lot of Christians. I hear Christians talk about offenses, that they have had against other Christians, offenses that happened years ago, grudges that have grown really into bitter roots in their souls, and they smirk every time that person's name is brought up. Oh, yeah, I remember. I mean, I remember what they did to me. Yeah, you know, that, that's a sign that something's wrong. If, if you have that attitude towards somebody who has offended you, and it's even worse when it's been years ago, and you've not dealt with it by forgiving them. I tell you, this was so serious to Jesus that he said, when you're praying, if you remember that somebody has something against you, you, you should stop and go and make it right with that person. Now that's hard. When you say, you know what, I remember, I heard that you're mad at me, you're angry with me for something. We need to get this settled. Jesus said, you're the one going to try to make it right with them. And he's, he put it the other way. If you, th if you remember something that you've done against somebody, you need to go and make it right with God. I mean, make it right with that person before you are able to worship God properly. So our, the, the unforgiveness we have toward one another really restricts or inhibits our worship of the Lord, doesn't it? How do you know that you've forgiven an offender? How do you know that? <laughs> it's a challenge, isn't it? It is a, it's a spiritual challenge. Lord, how do I really know that I've forgiven them? First of all, I first get to the point where I want to forgive them, but how do I know? Well, you never talk bad about those people again. You never bring up the offense, really. 
Never bring it up. It's been forgiven. Because that's how God forgives us. When he forgives our sins, they're what? Thrown into the depths of the sea. When he forgives our sins, that, that forgiveness is from the east to the west. I mean, that means it just stretches all the way around the world. <laughs> there's, there's no ending to it. And, uh, and that's the way we're expected to forgive as well. Corey Tin Boom talks about how that, and you know her, some of you may not remember that name. Corey died in 1983, I believe it was, at 91 years of age. And she tells how that uh, she and her sister, older sister Betsy, were, they were in the concentration camp in Ravensbrück um, during World War II and were just horribly mistreated by the German, by the Nazi guards or the Germans. And uh, I mean, abused and just you wouldn't believe the, the suffering that they encountered there. And Betsy wound up dying there in that camp. Uh, Corey was set free accidentally by a clerical heir and she was, she was supposed to be executed in the camp, but she was set free. God had already told Betsy and Corey that, that uh, Betsy that, 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 that Corey would be set free. So it was a miracle that she was set free. Corey had a ministry then around the world where she went around and talking about, you remember this story, how that no matter how deep the pit, God's love is what? Remember? Deeper still. Yeah. But there was other things in her ministry that she had to deal with. And one of them, she had just been speaking, I think she said it was in Munich, Germany. Just, it was like 1947. So she'd been released from the camp for a couple years. So she was talking about the forgiveness of God. And she said, when you talk to the Germans in those days, they're just kind of a blank. You know, their lives are so shattered from World War II. There's just a blank look on their face. And they, they receive the word of God, but they, don't really res- they didn't re- really respond much. They just would like soaked it up and then stood up and walked out quietly. She said, after one of these preaching sessions, she said, I preached and the forgiveness of Jesus and typically just like normal the, the Germans they stood up and they, they walked out except there was one German in the back he said a rather heavy stock man a really heavy set guy and he was wearing a gray coat and a tweed hat and everything and, and I didn't she, of course I didn't really pay much attention to him and I saw him walking up to the front and as I look I suddenly recognized who he was he was one of those German guards that was so abusive to us in the camp. He was responsible, partly responsible for Betsy's death. Said as I remember walking, having to walk naked in front of those Nazi German, those uh, those soldiers. How horribly shameful it was, and how I looked at Betsy and her ribs were so protruding out of her body and I said it was all those images came back to me as I saw this man coming up to me and anger and frustration and filled my heart toward this fellow as he walked up he he said uh, Raleigh I, I was at Ravensbrook and she said I don't think he, uh, he remembered me but I wasn't looking at him, but I knew who he was. She said, I, I don't think he recognized me. In fact, I know he didn't, but, but um, he thrust his hand out and said, since leaving Re- Ravensbrook, I have become a Christian. I have found God's forgiveness. I've, I have no Jesus, and I wonder if you would forgive me too. <laughs> Corey 
Mary said, in her mind, she said, no, I will not. Her emotions were totally, no. And then she knew, you know, she, she said, I don't know how these things, it was, seemed like it took hours, but it was just a matter of seconds all this took place as he held his hand out to me. And I said, Lord, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I cannot do it, Father. And the Lord said, I will help you do it. Reach out your hand for his. You just obey what my word says. And I will show you what I'll do. And she said, as I reached out my hand and our hands touched, Son, the grace of God just flooded my heart with love. It was just a miracle. It wasn't anything I had, but it was the Holy Spirit who filled me with the love of God. And said, as I, and I, I grasped his hand and I said, Brother, this is, I forgive you what you did to us. That it wasn't me. It was just my willingness to say, Lord, I will obey what you say. And you must do the rest. <laughs> and that's what Corey learned. Loved ones, that's how we forgive. It's not thinking, how am I going to do this on my own? How am I going to forgive? That was such a terrible thing. It's a matter of just obeying what God says. Obeying what Jesus said. Forgive those who have offended you. Forgive them. And you'll find God's power working in your life to do the impossible. That's how you forgive. Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit, he spreads the love of God within our hearts. Amen. I like what Haddon Robinson says. And so we close today. Haddon Robinson says, You see, when you sincerely pray, forgive me my sins, you're actually revising your estimate of yourself downward. You're admitting that you are a sinful person. You're admitting that there is a pollution in your life. And when you admit that about yourself, you're better able to understand the sins of others. It's close to blasphemy when we can approach God in all of His holiness and you ask Him to forgive you, but you cannot forgive this person who has offended you. It's like you're thinking, I'm so holy and righteous that it's unthinkable that I should extend forgiveness to that person. People like that are self-righteous. And you cannot, uh, you, you can no more get forgiveness for or from a self-righteous person than you can get ice from water, or ice from fire, excuse me. Lord, deal with me as I have dealt with others. That should be our prayer. Lord, deal with me as I have dealt with others. We don't forgive others in order to earn our forgiveness from God. No, we, we forgive because it enables our faith and to believe that God forgives us. We are part of a forgiving and forgiven community of believers. So in order to receive our pardon from God, we must first of all forgive those who have offended us. How? Just simply by obeying what God said to do. And you'll discover God in a new way with a new power. You'll discover a power from Him that is real and effective. Amen.
This is what Jesus said. This is how we pray. Lord, forgive us our sins, just as I have forgiven others around me. And if you feel like you can't forgive someone, you need to just simply obey the Word of God and do what He says to do, and you'll find His enabling there. Father, as we as we close today, as we think about what Jesus has said about our need for forgiveness and our need to forgive others, we pray, Lord, that you would impact us with that, that significant truth in our life, Lord, that, that will bring revival. Lord, that, that's probably a lot of what, what's going on down there in Asbury, Lord. That's what bringing revivals, people confessing their sins, confessing their wrongs against one another. Lord, what, that's what we need to revive our lives is to ask forgiveness if we've offended and to, Lord, to be willing to forgive those who have offended us. Lord, I know there's a, I've heard your people many times say a thousand reasons why they shouldn't forgive. But all that matters is what Jesus says, why we should forgive because that's the only way that we'll be able to receive forgiveness by faith. I pray, Father, today that if this has been a struggling point for anyone here today, that you will grant them just clarity of thought, clarity of, of understanding, that they will obey what Jesus is saying to do, and they will find your power. They will find a new relationship, a, a, higher, a higher plane a relationship with you, just where your love is filling their heart and your power and your wisdom, or not the, not the sentimental, mishy-mashy, goofy love of the world, but the love of the Holy Spirit, the love of God that is mighty and powerful. Father, we pray that you will bring revival to all of our lives as we forgive one another, as we forgive others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.